This is Learn Right Radio, your podcast for clinical practice, clinician experiences, and being a clinician in the workplace. I'm your host, Sarah Thistle. Justin Zimmerman on the call this week and we had a great discussion on some of the questions that you guys had asked us on the Instagram Q&A question box. So we did talk about this on the actual Instagram stories, but these are big questions with big complex answers. We felt that the stories really didn't do the questions justice. So in this episode, we really just dive into the first two regarding rehabilitation as well as interactions on average per day and what that looks like for an industrial clinician. So if you are interested in any of those, this is definitely the episode for you with a little bit of insight from actual on-site clinicians. Um, So get ready for that. On the other hand, we do want to recognize that we have a lot of resources out there. The Learn Right website has launched by this time the podcast goes out. So the new website is here. It looks awesome. Everything is available. Everything's easy to get to. So do check that out at www.learnrightuniversity.com. Again, tons of resources, free handouts from courses, all links to the actual continuing education courses, all BOC approved, as well as the podcasts are linked there. And it is something that will just continue to grow with all the resources we put into it. So The site is for you, for someone who's interested in the industrial setting or is already in it and just is looking for something that supplements that career. So if you're interested, do go check that out. You can always find us on all of our media platforms, LearnWrite underscore and W for all uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So that is all we've got. Again, hope you guys enjoy the episode and we will catch you guys in the next one. All right, we're back. Um, We have Justin here on the call today, and we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. So, Justin, I know you've been on other episodes before, but why don't you just go ahead, introduce yourself, um, tell everyone where you work or what you do, and then we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Thank you, Sarah. I can't think of someone else I'd rather be talking to at five in the morning. So, thank you. Um, So, my name is Justin Zimmerman. I'm an athletic trainer. Um, I went to school back where I'm from in Virginia. And then uh, when I started with WorkRide, I went to auto manufacturing in Reno, Nevada. I was there about seven months. Then went to, uh, within that same company, a different facility in Buffalo, New York for about a year. And then got another call uh, from from the higher ups. And they're like, hey, do you want to move across the country again? And I said, sure, why not? So uh, now I'm primarily based out of the Portland metro area, going around to a couple of different sites for a couple hours a week. So uh, it was surprisingly a uh, big difference between that and what my day-to-day looks like there, uh, as opposed to going to the same site 40 hours a week. So it's been a really uh, unique experience so far. Yeah. And I guess before we get into the questions, um, how many different sites would you say you work at um, across a week period? Um, I would say if my week is the same, 
could be two. Um, if I have to, some stuff gets switched up, it could be four to five different mm -hmm. locations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they I mean, all range from different amount of hours. So some sites, it's three hours or four hours once a month. And some, it's you know, almost 40 hours a week. And then some, it's two, three hour sessions a week. It really is, you know, I think what we've you've talked about before, it's whatever that client needs to get that injury out that level of injury reduction. So it can kind of really vary widely. Yeah, <clears throat> that's something we can definitely dive into as well, because I think the, the maybe the notion that people are coming into this with is that, oh, I'm just at one place for one period of time. And mm -hmm. for some that is true, um, for me, that's true. But then mm -hmm. there are other clinicians like you um, and many others that juggle a couple of different sites and really don't have a normal eight hour day they have mm -hmm. you know those snippets of time so mm -hmm. which i mean depending on the person can be amazing and enjoyable mm -hmm. and others it's not what they want so you know there's obviously variety and options but it's uh it's cool to know that there are those distinctive differences for sure right right and you know we talked about why we talk about the industrial setting so much is because there is a lot of unknowns and some people don't even know those sort of things are, are an option or available because for some people that is perfect for them they want to go to one location three or four hours head to another and that's and then they spend maybe half their week or part of their week doing, doing things from home um mm -hmm. you know or they spending they're spending some of their hours of their work weeks traveling from location to location so um it definitely is unique in in that way and uh yeah we can talk about it more if you want yeah all right well um the thought with what we're going to do and we might run out of time and just have to return to it whenever I can uh, catch you again. Um, mm -hmm. But we have a couple of questions that we had answered on our Instagram stories. Um, and when I was answering them, I was trying to answer them within, you know, the one minute uh, that it gives you to get those little snippets in. And I just felt like that wasn't really doing justice because it's, it's just such a wide, um, a, just a huge, place to be in and to provide mm -hmm. uh, healthcare to. And, you know, I'm, we're working on this project right now, which I can't really go into and explain, but there's mm -hmm. this, there's this point within it that we're saying, like industries are everywhere. And these industrial athletes are running or working within the industries of the world. And they're, they're 24 seven. So it's mm -hmm. literally everywhere and things that you never would have thought of, they're there. Um, my drive to work every day, which you know is there. I don't know if you would have driven past it when you were there. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I drive by a Coke manufacturing facility mm -hmm. every single day and there are industrial athletes in there. And that's the type of place mm -hmm. that we could provide services to. And mm -hmm. then you have other ones that aren't, um, aren't places like that. And they're warehouses and uh, construction sites. So it's just, there's so many different places to be. And um, mm -hmm. it's really just a testament to how there's a spot for us literally anywhere if we can get mm -hmm. ourselves there. So, right. And that's what the, the cool part is you'll have on site clinicians, physical therapists, or athletic trainers at a particular location. And then we know whether it's in safety or some of the different construction trades that there is a lot of turnover in some of those other professions. So those mm -hmm. people leave that company where they had access to us um, and then they go to another company and then they're talking to their, their higher ups like, well, 
I didn't know we had access to this sort of care and these services when I was at my last company. Why don't we have that here? Mm-hmm. And that's really a large part of, you know, you, you do a good job and make a connection with people and they're the, the ones and they go to a different company uh, advocating for why it doesn't make sense. Well, we don't have, we have this at our other construction site. We're doing a physically demanding job. It doesn't make any sense not to have the same service here mm-hmm. uh, in some capacity. So that's really what helps us grow. And I think you're right. I think I drove by a cereal manufacturer. Mm. Smells great. I'm sure it's probably a great place to work. I forget the name of it. Maybe it was Kellogg's, but. Was it um, General Mills? General Mills. General yeah. Mills. That was it. Yeah. yeah. Called him for, a couple of times. No one answered. Yeah. <sighs> one day. Um, for context, I took Justin's job. So I, I get, started. Doing a way better job. No, same. Um, I started at an auto, my auto manufacturing plant in Fremont, California. And then I'm from New York. So I kind of wanted to get out of there because, you know, cost of living is something else. And oh, yeah. so <laughs> it just worked out. He got the calls. I got the calls and we kind of just traded places. So that context. Um, oh, and, and then Sarah did a phenomenal job and is doing a phenomenal job where they're adding, you know, what, 50% more hours. And uh, then they realize, oh, okay, we had like the prototype with Justin. Now we've got the real thing with Sarah. So definitely not making me look good. You're doing too good of a job. So I not to hold it against you. You're, you look bad. you're ridiculous. Uh, thank you, though. Uh, so I'm <laughs> going to leave that part now. Let's, uh, let's dive into the first question. Let's see where we get with everything. Uh, one of the ones that was on the story was how much mm-hmm. rehabilitation is implemented in the industrial setting. Um, and how mm-hmm. I kind of left this off is, you know, with every answer, it kind of depends, but, right. you know, to clarify, it's real, if you're going into this thinking, the mindset of a traditional setting where you are rehabilitating people and you're seeing uh, post-ops, that's just not mm-hmm. the case here. Um, so right. I'm interested, I already talked about on the story um, mm-hmm. and I can add whatever I think after, but I'm interested to hear your response mm-hmm. and your experience with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And great job, by the way, because I would not, you let me start talking and I would just keep talking and there's no way I could try and answer those within a minute (laughs) within my capabilities. But um, I think that's a, it's an interesting question and it was a pretty big unknown when I was coming out of school as well. And I mean, even working at certain sites, um, there'll be occupational medicine uh, physicians uh, that will see people and they'll say, oh, wait, you've got an athletic training or physical therapist on site, just go do your rehab with them. Well, and then I have to explain to them, like, yes, we give people stretches and exercises if it's a non-work-related issue, but you can't come here and do your rehab. And it's always this big air of confusion around it. Um, but essentially, there's no true rehab. So when someone comes into the office to see me, we're not sitting here having them go through their exercises. We might have them go through, if it's non-work related and I can uh, recommend uh, different stretches and exercises, I'll have them go through those motions um, here with me in the office just for a couple reps so they can get the feel I can make sure that they're doing it correctly. Um, But when they come in for a follow-up visit, maybe it's in a few days, maybe it's next week, maybe it's two weeks out. One, they can't just be doing their exercises when they come in and see me. Uh, because then they're never going to get any better, right? Because the whole goal is that we educate them and equip them with the tools and knowledge and resources to take their health into their own hands and make them independent. Um, that way they're not relying on me or another healthcare professional uh, to get better. So 
that's that's addicting. I'm trying to empower people that way. So the goal is that they're doing the stretches, exercises, those rehab, the rehab routine uh, at home. Uh, and rarely do I write up a rehab routine in that scenario. It's a couple of recommendations, have them implement those for a couple of weeks, and then they come back in for their follow-up. How are you doing? How are you progressing? What do we need to change up? And maybe we'll pull some things out because these people are busy. That's the difference between working um, in the traditional setting versus this. These people sometimes work 50, 60 hours a week, every single week. They've got families and tons of other responsibilities. So loading someone up with a 30-minute or an hour-long rehab session of exercises just isn't effective. Uh, what we have found in a lot of our clinicians with Pittsburgh Right have realized is giving them two or three exercises or stretches and then having them do that for a couple of weeks and then change it up. It really, we don't want, when I have someone doing things at home, I don't want them doing it for more than 10 minutes. Uh, I'd rather them do a little bit every single day because uh, these people lead busy lives. Um, so it, it just is a little unrealistic to have someone uh, do 30 minutes or, or 60 minutes of, of rehab with the sort of schedules that they have. Um, but hopefully that answers your question a little bit. It can be pretty confusing, um, even with you know other healthcare professionals trying to understand you know this isn't true rehab. If this person needs to go to physical therapy, um, they need rehab, um, whatever their injury is, then they need to be going to the clinic where they can get treated for an hour long. We have 15 to 20 minute appointments, um, and it's just not something that's really within our scope at that point. Our goal is early symptom intervention, not necessarily rehab after the fact. Yeah, I think that's a, that is a really good answer. Actually, that was very thorough. Um, I got lost I, halfway through my answer. I, I, uh, I obviously agree. Uh, it's, it's really, the, we are there again, because we're preventative and um, there are a lot of things that go into that. And that's why there is a difference when we say whether it's work-related or non-work-related. And that has to do with OSHA. Um, but we are still there to assist. And, uh, that's kind of how I've walked the line with it because I don't want them to think that I can be their, their rehab person. And really, I try to not even talk about rehab or use the word rehabilitation. Right. Um, and I think that's a main thing too, is breaking that idea that, uh, they need to go to rehab or they need to rehab something because something's broken. So mm -hmm. a lot of it with even approaching the idea of rehabilitation for me has been um, challenging verbiage or thoughts that they've had before, mm -hmm. you know, as, mm -hmm. as uh, politely and gracefully as I can uh, to not be a right. jerk and, <laughs> and to also remind them that, like you're saying, uh, two to three exercises, 10 minutes or whatever it is to fit that you don't need to, it's not a no pain, no gain situation. You don't need mm -hmm. to give up a million other things to get it done. Um, you know, little practices throughout your day, making them part of your daily routine is mm -hmm. going to serve you much better than if you drop everything, it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's really, you know, across the setting, whatever it is, we're all here to make something sustainable and uh, implement these good practices. And that's where that prevention comes in for us on the tradition or on the industrial side is um, really opening their minds to that. Because like you said, they're 12 hour, I mean, at my factory and it's different across settings, um, their 12 hour days 
And so mm. they're either working three days a week, four days. Sometimes they do overtime and they do have kids at home. Uh, some of them have mm-hmm. second jobs and, right. and it's wild. So how mm-hmm. are you going they to never sit sleep. there yep. and tell them, oh, well, you got 30 minutes to do this uh, plan. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think, that, and that, I think that's the perfect point. I was actually having a conversation with a couple of people that are mostly desk bound. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think, okay, they're not lifting heavy objects, pulling, twisting. They're not standing all day in an assembly line. They're probably fine. Well, a lot of them have neck issues, hip issues. And what I was trying to, and they work in longer than 12 hour days often, it seems. So what I was telling them the other day, which is right to your point, is how can we implement these two or three recommendations as micro breaks but do it on a cadence where maybe you get up and walk for 30 to 60 seconds every hour you're at your desk and and implement them to where they're really small micro breaks just a couple of reps but they can do it eight times or nine times while they're at work and they build into a routine just like when we tell people to do chin tucks i tell people every time you're at a stoplight do 10 chin tucks and that way you don't have to think about it it just becomes routine a part of your normal day-to-day and it doesn't feel like an addition, like another thing you have to do to check the box at the end of a long work day. Because um, we know it's, it's not necessarily about someone doing this stuff for 30 minutes to 60 minutes, and then they do it once every five days. They're not going to get any better that way. And I think you brought up a good point about not using the word rehab and trying to kind of change the verbiage and mold, because it seems like a lot of people, when you tell them, oh, you've got to do my rehab, it's like, they, they get this in their head, like, there's something wrong with me. I have this issue or this dysfunction. And once my pain is gone, I don't have to do these exercises anymore. My rehab is over. I don't have to continue doing this. And what we know is that, you know, this, for a lot of these issues, especially people with back pain, you've got to build this into your lifestyle. Maybe you're not doing it every single day, but maybe you're doing it a couple of times a week to maintain um, that resiliency uh, in that part of your body and that tissue. And so that's again i think it's a good point that's why i don't really use the word rehab because again it's more like a lifestyle change we want people to implement these things throughout the remainder of their time at work and in the rest of their life not just when they have pain yeah absolutely and i think uh to circle to the micro break part i think again micro break stretches or stretches exercises whatever it is where we're basically uh like you said 12 hours, they're doing the same thing. Sometimes they don't rotate between jobs, um, Mm -hmm. which is another thing we try to tackle. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's sometimes out of our control. Um, But with that, they have the same task. So maybe they are looking at wiring for uh, 12 hours with a couple of breaks here and there. And Mm -hmm. so explaining, you know, in those couple of seconds where you have some time before the next part comes along or you, you are walking to the bathroom or whatever mm-hmm. it is, that's where those micro breaks come into play. And um, even just educating on that in itself, sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. And mm-hmm. so it's the simplest things. And so that's kind of where rehab kind of goes out the door. And it is mm-hmm. that preventative piece where, well, let's implement things that you're doing throughout your day. We're never mm-hmm. going to call it rehabilitation. Um, yep. And it's going to be something that just becomes a part of their routine throughout their day and mm-hmm. um and then you know you're walking through a line again and they're telling you they're doing it and it feels great and there's relief mm-hmm. um and then really just empowering them to do it it doesn't require you to be there with them which is another mm-hmm. key to it because we really can't if we're seeing thousands of people 
a week or in a couple of weeks, you know, however big your site is, you cannot rehabilitate everybody. It's right. Not, right. Uh, so it's, you know, you get a lot more bang for your buck. You can see a lot more people and you can make impact on a lot more people that way by giving them the tools, educating them and enabling them to mm -hmm. handle their shit. Right. And I think that is a big reason why it's important for us to be out there on the production floor, out there on the job site, building those relationships and building trust. Because you see so many, many different people. And in order to have that reach and that impact, you can't be necessarily following up and get that one-on-one -on -one a few minutes to talk to that same person every single day. Mm -hmm. When you give them those recommendations, whether it's micro breaks, you name it, you need to have that relationship built and that trust to where you know, if I don't see this person for a week or two, that they are doing these things uh, on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. uh, I know they're actually implementing my recommendations. And unless you really have a good foundation of trust and it's built up that relationship, you're not going to be as successful. You just don't have the ability uh, to connect with that person every single day, oftentimes. Um, so there's going to be days in between. And if they're only doing them when you see them, then ultimately uh, they're the one on the losing end of that. They're not getting better uh, in a reasonable amount of time. So I think that is a, a big reason why it's so important uh, to get out of their office, get out there on the floor and learn from people. Try and use that as a time to learn more about their jobs and more about them. Um, so I'd say, I don't know where I was going with that at the end. I, again, I got lost halfway through. It's early in the day, but uh, that's what I wanted to say is that it just, another reason why building that relationship is so hugely important. Yeah. Um, and no, I honestly, I like where that's heading because it really feeds well into one of the other questions, which um, is really just asking how many people do we see in a day? And I think mm -hmm. it's more, I'm sure they're more asking, you know, how many appointments are you having? How many mm -hmm. sessions in your office are you having? Um, and obviously for us, that looks different. And you've already kind of touched on it with making those connections, walking around out on the floor. Um, mm -hmm. And I've talked about it in the story as well. Um, you have appointments, but you also see and talk to a lot of people outside of it. Mm -hmm. And probably more so than a traditional setting would in a day. Um, right. So with your millions of sites, uh, mm -hmm. what would you say on average um, your appointment schedule looks like, and then walkthroughs. How many people are you seeing and engaging with in an actual day? So it's interesting. Uh, the sites that you're at, it seems, the sites that you're at for maybe three hours, twice a week, it seems like the intensity of the amount that you need to get done, the amount of people you need to interact with is much more so than if you're at one location for eight hours. Um, I would say when I was at one site, uh, 40 hours a week, there could be a range of, you know, including appointments, um, you know, 20 to 40 people that I would uh, speak with in a day. Now, when you're first starting a site and you're really out there trying to talk to as many people as possible and educate them, I mean, you're going to be talking to probably well over 50 people uh, a day early on and trying to actually have meaningful conversations, not just a high and by, but really try and have, you know, a good conversation, a good conversation with each one of those people. And ideally, most of our interactions are not in the office, right? That means we're kind of sitting back, being a little bit more reactive. Ideally, people are coming to see us when they have those early signs and symptoms, so we can still have the opportunity to be proactive in their care, but we don't want to be in the office. 
We want to have the majority of our interactions be out there on the production floor, learning from people and building those relationships. Um, so I would say at my current site, depending on some of the sites that I'm there three hours, I could average anywhere between 10 and 15 different people I'll, I'll interact with in that three hours. Um, and then I go to certain sites where we're actually not able to go out and walk the construction zone unless we have a, a safety or another person with us. So some of those days, I'm only working with people that signed up for appointments, and maybe that's two people, and maybe that's 10. Uh, it can really vary uh, widely. Yeah, and I think that's important to note is there really isn't, um, you really don't always know what your day is going to look mm -hmm. like. And I think that's a big difference between the traditional and industrial. Traditional, you know you have your teams, you know mm -hmm. who you've been uh, rehabilitating or working with, you know who comes in for pre-treatment, who comes in after practice mm -hmm. or after games. So you have a pretty good idea of what your caseload is going to be. And sure, mm -hmm. it probably spans a very short amount of time within those uh, pre or post-practice game periods, but you know your team, you know you've got however big your team is to do it. Uh, maybe you have mm -hmm. other athletic trainers that you're working with. Um, and I think with industrial, you can have two appointments a day and you can have mm -hmm. way more than that. I mean, there are sites for uh, that WorkRight provides services for that are booked. Like they mm -hmm. cannot have more appointments because there's just no spot to put them. And right. then, and that also really reflects the sheer size of the place that you're working in. So the setting mm -hmm. size is huge and the setting type. Um, right. Yeah. Like, Do they have the capacity to be able to more frequently come to, to have appointments yeah. um, with the clinicians on site. Some sites, they just don't have that capacity, whether it's a certain time of year with production or just the dynamics of the site. Mm -hmm. um, so all that can really, I mean, it could be significantly different. You, you're in the industrial setting, you're with one company, and then you move and you're working with a totally different industry. And it can be pretty significant, which is also, you know, the fun part, right? You get to go and learn what a different industry is like, mm -hmm. work with a different group of people. I mean, construction workers are quite a bit different than people in car manufacturing in a lot of yeah. ways. So it, it, from that perspective too, it, it's fun because you get to learn a new group of people, mm -hmm. uh, different industry and the dynamics of it can be completely different. If I went with the same mindset of, oh, working with construction workers is going to be identical to, you know, a bakery, well, then I'm probably going to be pretty surprised because it's going to be uh, significantly different. Uh, yeah. Was, there was another point you were saying off of that. Um, what was it about the number of people you interact with? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, again, you nailed it perfectly. When you're first getting out there or maybe mm -hmm. you're, you're launching at this new site for the first time or maybe mm -hmm. you're brand new and no one knows who you are and you're joining a team member or you're taking their spot, um, you're probably going to be talking to a lot of people. And mm -hmm. I find, too, I have a much easier time talking to a ton of people at my current site versus mm -hmm. the one I was at where it was 10,000 people mm -hmm. and way more appointments um, because the schedule is a little bit more free. I will talk to like 50 to sometimes I've hit a hundred people in a day that I've interacted with. And wow. the, that's a lot, everybody. Just anybody knows. That that's a lot. It's exhausting. <laughs> But <laughs> I'm tired um, thinking about talking to 100 people in a day. 
I just yeah. got tired thinking about it. Yeah. Well, when you like input all your interactions and you're just like, this can't be it. I need a full day to inter- just to document all yeah. the people from the previous day. I yeah. asked that many people. That has, that has happened to me before. I like, I went through my day and I was typing everything out and the end of my day came and I'm like, there's no way I'm finishing this. And I know I have to come back yep. tomorrow do those right when I get there uh which I mean ideally you get it all done in one day but sometimes it just doesn't go like that right well that's sometimes the way too you're just on the ball that one day you're just like hey today I'm out there I'm not documenting I'm going to be interacting with as many people as I possibly can because I Mm -hmm. know they're going to have a down day where maybe a lot of people aren't going to be on site maybe they're cleaning uh there's going to be just fewer people so I know tomorrow is the day that I can work on some initiatives get this documentation done but I need to take advantage of all is everyone business is normal today and I need to get out there and I need to interact with people so some of that Mm -hmm. again comes with the ebbs and flows of production um and just kind of being strategic maybe you interact with you're supposed to interact with 20 people a day at your site maybe you interact with 40 people on Monday and then Tuesday you interact with five or ten but you're documenting and you're working on other projects Mm -hmm. to provide value for that company um yeah but yeah so it is it is fun that it can vary pretty significantly from day to day yeah. And I think an important point to make is that uh, we've kind of alluded more so to wellness room office appointments, but mm-hmm. really a lot of the appointments, depending on the site, are probably out where they're working. So a mm-hmm. lot of those floor walks are engaging and meeting with people. They turn into appointments because someone yeah. realizes what you do and they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, my back has been killing me for two weeks now. I just started mm-hmm. two weeks ago great, let me tell you what I do. Let me explain how I can help you. And then boom, you have an appointment. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't go that way. And sometimes people don't need you, but they're just happy to see you. And, uh, and other times you end up having to, uh, I don't want to say you're treating someone on the floor, but you're, mm-hmm. you're responding to whatever discomfort they're communicating mm-hmm. to you. And, um, and then maybe that turns into, oh, I just had this appointment and they said they didn't know who I was. They didn't know how to schedule me. Cool, I'm going to go talk to their lead and supervisor. And just ensure that they know how to get a hold of me and to make sure that their team knows and feels comfortable um, reporting that there's discomfort and saying that they need to see somebody. So Right. And I think that's intimidating at first. Coming yes. in, you're like, I've got to evaluate someone in between them doing their job and then try and provide them something to manage the discomfort they're having. Um, so it's exciting, but it's also super stressful because you don't know early on, like, how does this work? And if you've maybe watched a coworker do it um, and how to do it without it directly impacting them performing their job. Mm-hmm. So I think that part's fun and interesting to figure out and can be pretty uh, stressful. But that's also how you build momentum. You get the most bang for your buck. If you're out there and it's more of an assembly line setup and you're working with somebody on their elbow, well, odds are some of their coworkers within 10 feet of them are having the exact same discomfort or have in the past or they know someone else down another part of the factory that has that same discomfort so you'll be surprised you'll have all those people listening in i sometimes you get those people chiming in asking more questions than the person you're working directly with mm-hmm. so i think that's when if the goal is to provide as much information as possible uh, i think that's a great opportunity especially because they're in pretty close proximity um, so you're talking with them, providing them that education on the anatomy, what's actually going on underneath the surface. And you've got all those other people that it's almost like they're having an appointment at the same time because mm-hmm. they're just soaking in all that information. A lot of times 
rarely will those people just directly around them just tune out and not listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody seems to be pretty interested, even if they end up not wanting to sign up for an appointment, or they just take some of those recommendations, stretches, exercises, you know, changing in sleep position. Uh, maybe they never had to come see you in the first place because mm-hmm. of that. So I think a lot of sites, line visits, just they make more sense. It's more realistic for people to get uh, seen and get care uh, when we come out there to their particular job station uh, because it takes them maybe 10 minutes to walk to the office. Mm-hmm. And we want to be sensitive to that time as well, uh, which I tend to not be good at sticking to 15 or 20 minute appointments. I tend to take a little bit longer. So that's my bad, but I like to talk. So, um, but I think that's a big part of it, uh, especially early on when you really want to get people educated on how to utilize you. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you roll it out to the best of your ability, there's still so many people uh, that maybe aren't fully aware of all right, what is this person here to do? What can they do? What cannot? Uh, what can't they do? Mm-hmm. Uh, when should I see them? I think line visits, line visit appointments um, are a great way to educate them on that. But to what you were saying earlier, talking about talking to a lot of people, I didn't know how many people I would be interacting with on a daily basis uh, when I started in this setting. And I like to talk and everything like that, but I'm pretty introverted. Now, mm-hmm. you probably say the same about yourself, right? And so for some people that it's hard for them, they feel like in their heads, like I'm pretty introverted. I don't know if I have the capability of talking to that many people mm-hmm. on a daily basis. It, it comes with time. It's a skill like anything else. Um, maybe you have to come back to the office or kind of have a, a, a way to decompress at the end of the day more than someone that uh, is a little bit more on the extroverted side of things. But uh, just because maybe you're a little bit introverted, doesn't mean you don't have the capability of interacting and having a conversation with 50 or 100 people a day. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little time to decompress and recover from it, uh, but it's something you're certainly capable of doing because obviously Sarah and I are able to do it and we're both a little bit more on the introverted side of things. We're still standing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And that's a good point. And uh, it probably gets brought up a lot just because we hope that whoever listens whether they're already in the setting and they already know this or they're interested um we hope that there is an understanding of what you're probably walking into and so mm-hmm. we never want someone to be scared or be like oh my gosh i don't think i can talk to that many people in a day because you mm-hmm. know what same i <laughs> and sometimes i still don't know how i'm doing it um or mm-hmm. how other uh, maybe more shy or introverted people are but like you said it takes practice and mm-hmm. Um, it also takes figuring out how to manage, or, I mean, you could even go as far as saying micro breaks for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so when I was at, uh, when I was at the first factory, I, after I went through like an entire section and spoke Mm -hmm. to whoever I needed to and handled any line appointments that I needed to, I would, uh, go find some place with my laptop or, uh, I'd sit in a cafeteria and I would document and I would just take that Mm -hmm. time to, all right know people for a second let me be productive and get stuff done kind of recharge Mm -hmm. and then boom go to the next section which might be you know a five minute walk away or however far it is but Mm -hmm. um that was something I really started to use because yeah I would be exhausted after Mm -hmm. talking to people and you know we can we can uh fake it till we make it however long we need Mm -hmm. to but at the end of the day you do need to recharge have that time to just be there for a second be Mm -hmm. quiet listen to yeah. your thoughts and mm-hmm. uh and then you and then you can go again and so right 
it's not knowing yourself yeah right it's knowing yourself too i know that after i've talked to eight to ten people i need to come back and take just a couple minutes decompress just kind of down regulate from all those interactions because i know if i continue interacting with people without taking that little bit of a break uh, my interactions, the quality of my interactions are going to start going down. They're going to mm-hmm. suffer. And then I'm probably going to say some stuff that doesn't make any sense. And people <laughs> are not going to want to talk to me after that. So I think that's, you got to know yourself too. And some people, they thrive on that. I had a mm-hmm. worker at another location that could go out there and be out on the floor without coming back in the office for four hours straight. And mm-hmm. it just, that fed him, that gave him energy. I did not have that capability. 30 minutes, maybe an hour, and then I need to come back mentally reset and then go back out there to make sure that my interactions uh stay of a good quality and they just start, don't start uh falling down because i'm just mentally exhausted yeah yeah and that's that's a good point because like any um like any healthcare provider you know it's not about you and you obviously mm-hmm. matter and so you need to take care of yourself and you need to know mm-hmm. yourself um mm-hmm. But again, you you need to be able to put your best foot forward and educate and really handle as many people as you can and help as mm-hmm. many people as you can in a day. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's so cool about the setting is you really have so much freedom to make an impact mm-hmm. on a lot of people in a little amount of time. Um, you're yeah. you're finding the people that need help mm-hmm. and you're spreading the word on who we are and what you do and. Mm-hmm. Um, and the knowledge you have. And so that really matters. And it's cool mm-hmm. that you have the opportunity to provide that to people mm-hmm. that may never have had that opportunity to hear otherwise. Exactly. Um, so it's it's a big responsibility, but it's not nerve wracking. It's more just like there's a lot of potential. So right. And and that's and that's the thing. And that's what we are probably said. In my mind giving somebody this little bit of education, this little bit of knowledge can really have an outsized impact on not just their life, but the lives of their families. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, they're trying to come to work every single day to provide for themselves and provide for their families. And my, that's much more important than helping someone get ready for a, a practice or a game. You know, and I have to say that's super important as well. You're helping people uh, work towards what they want to achieve. But that's just the way that I look at it, which is another reason why those interactions need to be quality. You have an opportunity to make a really genuinely big impact on someone. And until you've come to the industrial setting, you don't really realize, um, you know, having a an athlete do a prone press up might not mean much to them. They might not think twice about it. But having an industrial athlete do the same one or two movements and having them come to you a couple of days later, like this is the first time I haven't had pain in two years. It's amazing just the little that you can do for them that has such an outsized impact. So I think that's the thing to kind of come back to. We've done this for a couple of years. We have uh, kind of developed that that ability to interact with more people and trying to maintain that quality. But for someone that's getting into this early on, you can always focus on quality first. Um, you need to have a goal of a certain amount of people you want to interact with on a daily basis. But if you know that you can have eight quality interactions where you have a genuine conversation and educate those individuals, um, stick with that uh, and don't try and extend yourself. If you know you can't have a quality interaction, but you're trying to interact with 20 or 30 people, um, 
you're actually not doing providing as much benefit as, as if you would have just kind of kept your, your focus a little bit more narrow. And that mm -hmm. depends how many hours you're on site, but always focus on that first and the numbers will come with time once you develop this skill, just like anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. You know what? We're going to put a little period on that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there are ever any questions, there are so many uh, work right clinicians for sure. But really, if you ask any industrial athletic trainer, I'm sure uh, there are Facebook forums and um, mm -hmm. you can always go to learn right. Um, there's a lot of resources to ask away. So right. certainly over the last two or three years, too, it seems like there's way more resources and way more opportunity for people that are in their grad program mm -hmm. to learn a little bit more about the industrial setting before they actually get into it and more than just maybe a, their professor telling them about it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like the beauty of LearnRight and, and a lot of these other forms and resources is that you can get a little bit of a better idea um, before entering uh, this side of things. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we are probably going to run out of time, so I don't want to uh, start us on other questions. Um, mm -hmm. So any last words, any main advice aside from what you've already said, any big takeaways? Big takeaways, join the industrial setting. I, I, you won't find a, a more rewarding population of people to work with. Uh, I've been invited to weddings after I helped someone with their knee or their ankle. Uh, I have, people will think about you when they're on vacation, they'll bring you a Hawaiian shirt or like a little shot glass from Mexico. <laughs> it's it's cool to that you make an impact on someone and that they're on vacation. They don't need to be thinking about you. They don't need to be thinking about work. But you will have made an impact on them to where they think enough about you just to bring you something small like that. I think that is one of the most rewarding things, and it just makes it all worth it. So I'd say get into the industrial setting. Um, if you're nervous at first, reach out. Reach out to people like Sarah. Use social media, try and ask a lot of questions, see if you can possibly get into a certain uh, facility and, and observe. Mm -hmm. um, if you have any questions, go to LearnRight. Sarah, you're doing a phenomenal job with that platform since you took it over. So um, thank you for having me on. Great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all for tuning into this latest episode of LearnRight Radio. As always, you can always reach out to us on our personal or LearnRight platforms. Uh, personal, you can reach out to Justin at, at Justin underscore TZ, and mine is at S-A-R-T-H-I-S-T-L-E. If you guys have any questions about anything, shoot them there. Otherwise, head to our new awesome website, www.learnrightuniversity.com. Seriously, it is awesome, and we'll just continue to evolve and fill with all of the resources we put into it. So. Um, reminders too, we do have plenty of courses available for continuing education credits. They are all BOC approved for physical therapists and athletic trainers. I believe we have about 22 credits worth of industrial specific con ed for clinicians. So definitely check that out if you're looking for some things to supplement your knowledge. As always, we're always continuing to grow and expand our knowledge base. So definitely check those out and reach out if you need anything until then. But we will catch you guys in the next one.